Welcome to Worldwide Wonderful Women, a podcast for your living in divine power when yours is diminished. A podcast where encouragers receive encouragement. We understand these are hard times. You may find that it is becoming more of a challenge for you to remain strong as you give of yourself continuously. That's why this is the place to join other women globally who face the same challenges as you. So join us regularly to receive biblical insight not to faint, but to stand strong. This is the podcast to be rejuvenated and revitalized. Now, let's join our host, Paula Harris. Hello, this is episode number 165 of Worldwide Wonderful Women, and the title of this episode is Spiritual Beings. We know that in the month of October, there are some that celebrate Halloween and a lot of spooky or scary beings. I thought it would be good to focus on spiritual beings that are discussed in the Bible. The Bible uses a variety of terms for unseen beings in the spiritual realm, both good and evil, and we're going to discuss them this month. When I was young, we heard the term boogeyman, or we saw on TV Dracula or Frankenstein or some other scary beings, and really to this day, I'm not drawn to spooky or horror movies at all. I enjoy taking in programs or movies that teach me or make me laugh, things that are positive. The Walking Dead do not thrill me at all, and I don't understand how they became so popular. So, okay, I know, maybe you are a fan, I am not. And so while some may be focusing on scary or spooky things this month, I'd like to turn our attention to the spiritual realm presented in the Bible. The first term I would like to share is angel. An angel literally means messenger. By nature, angels are spiritual beings. They have superhuman power and knowledge. However, they are not all-powerful or all-knowing as God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 in the NIV, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So we see they're ministering angels. Angels were present at creation, the giving of the law, the birth of Christ and his resurrection, the ascension, and they will be present at the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. No matter how close to God angels may be, they share with humankind the status of creatures. In other words, they were created. But as spiritual creatures, they're free from any human limitations such as death. They do not marry, as far as we know, and angels do appear in human form to be men, and we don't see any mention of them being women or children, as you might see in art. Their ability to communicate in human language to affect human life is basic to one of their roles in the Bible. And though angels are stronger than human beings, their power and knowledge are limited by God. 
The physical appearance of angels in biblical encounters is often unusual, enough to distinguish them from ordinary people. Their power and awesome appearance sometimes tempted people to fear or worship them. But the New Testament clearly points out that we are not to worship angels. You can look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 18 and Revelation chapter 22 verses 8 to 9. The angel who moved the stone from the entrance to Jesus' tomb had an appearance like lightning and a raiment white as snow. Angels fall in two categories, holy angels and fallen angels. Holy angels are those who have remained holy throughout their existence. In scripture generally, when angels are mentioned, it is the class of holy angels that are in view. But by contrast, the fallen angels are those who have not maintained their holiness. This month, we will review and learn some things about both groups. Now, there are different types of angels, and let's look at some of these terms. Archangels. The Greek word archangelos occurs in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, and Jude, verse 9. The term speaks of an angel who has authority over other angels. The New Testament adds no details beyond this basic fact, and so we really can't add any more to that. We see Michael the archangel in the book of Daniel, Jude, and Revelation as a warrior angel who engages in spiritual combat. The word archangel means angel of the highest rank. And the name Michael means who is like unto God. Now, most angels in the Bible are portrayed as messengers, but Michael is described in all three books as contending, fighting, or standing against evil spirits and principalities. From what we read in Daniel, Jude, and Revelation, we can see that Michael, the archangel, is a powerful being. Jude verse 9 uses the definite article, the archangel Michael, which would possibly indicate that Michael is the only archangel. However, Daniel chapter 10 verse 13 describes Michael as one of the chief princes. Now this possibly indicates that there is more than one archangel because it places Michael on the same level as the other chief princesses. So while it is possible that there are multiple archangels, it is best not to presume upon the word of God by declaring other angels as archangels. Now, even if there are multiple archangels, it seems that Michael may still be the chief among them. So despite his great power, though, Michael is still in total submission to the Lord. His dependence on the Lord's power is seen in Jude 9. The holy angels have a rank and are submissive to authority. So that's important for us to understand. The prophet Daniel is told that Michael the archangel is the great prince who protects your people in Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. Daniel's people are the Jews, and the fact that Michael protects them may suggest that God has set various holy angels over various countries or groups. 
We're not sure, but we kind of surmise or think that could be. Now, Michael the Archangel has, it seems, a prominent role in the events of end times. The rapture of the church will be accompanied by the voice of the Archangel. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. And this could be a reference to Michael, but scripture does not name him specifically there. The last mention of Michael the Archangel appears in Revelation 12, 7. Now Michael and his forces of heaven defeat the dragon who is Satan, and the devil is hurled to the earth. There, enraged Satan went off to wage war against those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So there is a spiritual war being fought over the hearts and souls of all mankind, over all of us. And Michael, the archangel, is a strong angelic prince who protects Israel and submissively serves God by doing battle against Satan. Now, the devil can do all that he can, but he's still not strong enough to conquer heaven's forces. And we see that again in Revelation chapter 12. Now, another term that we see is cherubim. Cherubim is plural for cherubs, which are angelic beings involved in the worship and praise of God. The cherubim served the purpose of magnifying the holiness and power of God. And this is one of their main responsibilities throughout the Bible. In addition to singing God's praises, it appears that cherubim were symbols of God's mercy. When you read Genesis chapter 324, you do see the position of the cherubim to keep them from re-entering the garden and eating the tree of life was a sign of God's mercy. That, That was a merciful act. And then you see cherubim on the mercy seat. If you read Exodus chapter 25, verses 18 to 21, the Bible describes two golden figures of the cherubim with their wings stretched over the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where God promised to meet his people there. And then there is the figure of the cherubim where they were interwoven in the veil of the tabernacle. Look at Exodus chapter 26, verse 1, and you'll see that in regards to the cherubim being placed there in the veil of the tabernacle. And then what about the carved cherubim? Two large-sized olive cherubim were constructed and placed next to the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. You can read that in 1 Kings chapter 6, verses 23 to 27. So we see the cherubim could pretty much be a representation of God's mercy. And then another term in regards to angel is seraphim. Seraphim are another class of angels mentioned only once in Scripture, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 to 7. And they apparently have the function of praising God, being God's messengers to earth, and are especially concerned with the holiness of God. Each seraph had six wings. They used two to fly, two to cover their feet, and two to cover their faces. The seraphim flew about the throne on which God was seated, singing his praises as they called special attention to God's glory and his majesty. The seraphim was used to help during Isaiah's purification process when he began his prophetic ministry. That's Isaiah chapter 6 verse 7. So similar to the other types of holy angels, the seraphim are perfectly obedient to God. 
and similar to the cherubim, the seraphim are focused on worshiping God. We talked about Michael, the archangel, being specifically named, and then there's another angel mentioned by name in the Bible, and that's Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the principal messengers of God. His name means hero of God and was entrusted with important messages, such as those delivered to Daniel, to Zechariah, and to Mary. In all three appearances, Gabriel was met with fear, and he had to begin his conversation with words of comfort and to be able to cheer them. Now, what we do know is that Gabriel is one of God's good and holy angels, and he has a favorite position as an angel who stands in the presence of God. We see that in Luke chapter 1, verse 19, and he was selected to deliver important messages of God, particularly his love and favor to individuals chosen to be a part of God's plan. Next week, we're going to continue with some of the different terms in regards to the spiritual realm and some spiritual beings, and I hope that you'll join me again. And until God brings us back, smile, Jesus loves you. Thank you for listening to Worldwide Wonderful Women. We trust you enjoyed the program. Please take a moment to leave us a good rating and review on iTunes to help us continually encourage others around the globe. We also invite you to go to TWMforJesus.org. That's T-W-M like in Mary, F-O-R-J-E-S-U-S dot O-R-G to download your free gift and see other resources to help you live in divine power. And oh, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, be strong and of good courage.